Hello, all you creepy things and chicken wings. I don't know why I just said that, but I'm super excited to have you back on the second episode of Surviving the Suck podcast. Don't leave. That was weird, I know. But we have an amazing guest who I'm super excited to introduce you to. And just a quick reminder before we get started, this episode will include some topics on mental health problems and also some suicidology topics. So if at any point you feel really uncomfortable and you just feel like you need some extra help, don't be afraid to call the suicide hotline 1-800-273-8255 or you can text 741-741. They're here for you. We're here for you, but we are not licensed professionals here. We're just trying to give out some nuggets of hope and share our experience with you. So... If you're in the suck, hang in there. You're not alone. Enjoy this next episode. We love you. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode two of Surviving the Suck, my new podcast, which really has a focus on mental health awareness, suicide prevention, and really just talking about the suck in life, the things that we have to go through, life's unforeseen circumstances, hardships, And you know what? Today I'm super excited because we have our first guest on the podcast and I'm super excited to have him here. Kumail is someone that I met at Augustana a few years ago. Gosh, it seems like a few years ago, but it was kind of a long time ago. And I'm so excited to have him here. Thanks so much, Kumail, for being here today. And honestly, I I don't feel like I can do justice introducing you. So I'm going to have you introduce yourself. Um, Kumail, tell everyone listening a little bit about you. Yeah, I love it. Thank you for that, Haley. And yeah, my name is Kumail Hussain. I'm a second year medical student at the Chicago Medical School. It's right on the outskirts of Chicago in the suburb area. Uh, currently, I'm in my second year, like I mentioned, and I'm thinking about going into orthopedic surgery. That's on my mind right now. A long way down the road, take every day as it goes. And I, I started doing this thing on social media, on Instagram, on TikTok, just as a goof, kind of, and to see if anyone would any, like, resonate with my message. I talked about my story to med school. I did, like, a, I did Augustana College, did a master's program. And then I started medical school and I was not the best applicant in undergrad. I struggled academically, mentally, but I was able to kind of bounce back and do the master's program and to get accepted into medical school. And I kind of highlight that story on my social media channels. And actually a lot of people resonated with it and they vibed with it and they reached out and I kept on producing content along those lines and talked more about bettering yourself, mental health, and people really liked it. So that's where I am now. And I'm still in the process of figuring out what this journey looks like as far as social media when Haley reached out to me to do this podcast. I was super happy to reconnect with an old friend, of course, and everything that Haley's been doing has just been awesome. And just to be a part of it and to share my perspective and hopefully someone listening to this, it helps them and gives them, gives them some kind of perspective. I think we're doing a great thing here. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much, Camille. You are just like popping off on social media. How many followers do you have on Instagram right now? On Instagram, we're like 17,000 plus and- wow. On TikTok, we have like 61,000. Wow. That is amazing. I mean, it's it's crazy today how, you know, if you just put yourself out there and you're passionate about what you're doing and the message that you have, people will honestly really resonate with that. And like you said, it's incredible that so many people have already been reaching out to you. Do you have a lot of conversations with people who are struggling through social media? Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah, the DMs, and I was so surprised to get DMs, not just like very basic little questions. It was very in-depth, in-depth kind of a, about how, like what they went through in life, what they're thinking, what they're struggling about, and about like, do they just feel inadequate to get into medical school? 
and just things that I felt when I was in undergrad. And I can't believe people were feeling the same, the same way. And they shared their whole stories. Like they, they might've gone through something that was out of their control or they're just like, they're not feeling themselves and they don't think they're like, they're not gonna, they're not good enough to get in. And just hearing those stories and it's, it's amazing kind of ability to be able to respond back to them and tell them, you know, this is, I feel you, I was in very similar shoes as you. And it's kind of what I did to um, kind of f- to figure this all out. But it's, it's very heartwarming to see that we're not all alone in all this. And if you're trying to get into medical school, you're trying to get into any professional school, you're trying to get that dream job, like there's definitely tough times and it's just really, really difficult to get over it. Uh, but yeah, just getting those kind of DMs and showing people being vulnerable to me, just, and they don't even know me, you know, they just, but they're opening up and sharing their story. It, it demonstrates a lot that a lot of us are in similar positions and it just makes me happy to do what I do to reach those kind of people and provide any kind of advice and insight that I can. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're doing that so well because, you know, obviously with what's going on in the world with the pandemic, I think there have been so many people who have been struggling. I mean, between just even my own personal pages and Foster's Voice and The Gray Matters and all the different social media outlets that I manage, uh, we have been getting so many requests from people just wanting to talk and I think you know you you actually hit it on the head people will just come to you with in their vulnerability and it's actually a really beautiful thing that we have that outlet to connect with people this way because I truly believe that anyone who's struggling just wants to feel seen feel heard feel loved and you know even if it's someone that you don't even know just be able to have those conversations and and feel like you're actually being heard I think is so important so it warms my heart that you're doing that because you know if everyone could just do that and just make a difference to one more person like we could honestly change the world that way so kudos to you that's that's awesome that you're doing that especially through social media when it's already kind of somewhat a negative thing in a way um having people like you who are creating positive content it's it's a beautiful thing to watch so you should feel really good about that yeah yeah thank you for saying that and everyone talks about that you just talked about it where people in my field they're like perfect you know most of them they're they had a 4.0 in, in college they never struggled they had everything whatever whatever it is and i'm not here to judge anyone's journey here but they all just seem so perfect like they never struggled with anything but if i meet a successful person such as yourself i'm like i'm very amazed by what you do but i also want to hear your journey like what challenges you face and I am vulnerable on my channels and people are vulnerable back. And it just creates this dialogue, this conversation and everything you just talked about there. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? You just brought it up, um, you know, vulnerability and, and people wanting to hear your story. And, you know, I'm actually really curious about your kind of story and, you know, just things that you've went through because you feel you seem like a very resilient person. And so, you know, I started this podcast to really bring on people who I know are strong, um, but are also weak at the same time and are still learning how to survive the suck. So, you know, I kind of want to know, like, was there ever a time, I know you're, you're in your second year of med school, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. So gosh, I mean, I can't imagine that has been easy at all, but you know, has there ever been a time that you've just really struggled, whether it's like mentally, physically, emotionally, and you've had to come out of the suck, you know, what helped you survive that? What helped you through that? Yeah, it's, um, there's definitely been a lot of times where it sucked more than others, but I, one instance, it's crazy to say that my first couple years of medical school weren't as bad as I thought, because what I, I actually, I developed the resiliency because of a couple experiences. So right after 
college after and during a little bit towards the end of college i started start to like reality started to sink in now in college i had a lot of fun i don't regret what i did in college but i definitely did not feel like myself does this make sense mm-hmm. it was um i had you know i had i was in a fraternity I, w- I had a lot of good friends i was trying to do well in my studies but i wasn't putting 100 percent effort into my own career and who mm-hmm. i wanted to be and sometimes we get caught up in the moment in college you know we lose sight of what's important and I didn't realize that until senior year hits and then the summer, the summer and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just gonna apply to master programs, but this is such a huge risk. Should I even do medical school? This whole identity crisis, thinking that I'm just, I'm not cut out for medical school. I even considered like, okay, medicine is not, not for me. So that was like a very difficult time, seeing all my peers get jobs, get into school, posting on their social media. We talked about the negativeness of social media. I'm so happy for everyone and what they accomplished, but you can't help but read a post and say like, that's amazing what they're doing, but then you can't help but compare yourself. And that is that was so difficult, just kind of navigate for the first year after college. So that I started the master's program, very doubtful of my own abilities, but I said, you know, I have one more, I, have, I still have a chance. You don't have to have your life figured out by a certain age, but I wanted to get my, when I wanted to get the ball rolling on my professional career, started the master's program and the most difficult part was working on myself so like one thing i, I did was i stopped uh drinking as much in my master's program i started um, sleeping right i started working out on a regular basis basic things that i've heard in the past i'm like okay it's you know like why not i i want to make the time and it's amazing how it actually helped me stay motivated i cut out distractions i cut out toxic people from my life people who i knew who wouldn't make me the best version of myself and so many different changes that I, I kind of implemented for my own well-being really translated into academic and emotional like well-being and success during my master's program. So the biggest thing for me was just over, like transitioning from undergrad into the real world, <laughs> really. And yeah. the real world for me looked like a graduate program and some people started work, but it was, it was just like being able to, you know, knowing that it's on me now and I have to like go out there and want it and yeah, those, those are the biggest challenges that I kind of talked about was just going through. Wow. Okay. You should feel really proud of yourself because even though you say getting the right amount of sleep, you know, drinking water, finding that right balance between like your mental health and your physical health, like sometimes it seems so minuscule, but it's crazy how many people over the years told me to do those things. And I just never did them because I was like, no, you know, if I'm struggling, like I need to go to counseling or I need to practice more self-care, but self-care is those things like exactly what you were saying. And that's amazing that you literally had the resiliency to say, you know what, like this sucks. What I'm going through right now sucks, but you made those changes. You cut out those, those toxic people. You continue to work hard on your own mental health and your physical health. Like that's incredible. You should feel really proud about that. Thank you. <laughs> I try. <laughs> Sometimes it just, it, you got to take time to like reflect on everything you have done and have overcome. And just like, like you're saying, and thank you for that. Yeah, no, seriously, you should feel really good about that because it seems so small, but those little things do make a difference. Even this week, I I found myself like I wasn't sleeping very well and I found my mental health just was kind of slipping because I have bipolar depression. So I go through, you know, it could be weeks of mania where I'm just feeling really confident. I barely sleep. I'm like, go, go, go. And then there's weeks where I'll feel myself start to slip into depression and then I feel really stuck and I feel like I can't get out of it. So this week I started feeling myself kind of slipping into depression, but I actually made a point to make sure I was sleeping right, like make sure I was just being okay and reflecting meditation. Meditation has been huge for me. I'm sure it probably has been maybe for you too, but 
you know, sometimes I, f- I feel like when you feel yourself slipping, it's so important to identify your triggers and just yeah. take a step back. You know, I'd, I'm sure you've had to do that before, right? Yeah. And um, the biggest, the biggest struggle, and I'll, I'll ask you this question right after is how do you, ch- how do you figure out that like, you're, you are slipping? When do you realize mm-hmm. that? Cause you might be so overwhelmed with school, work, a relationship or your family or friends when do you actually get the time to assess and you start to compare it to your baseline and say, okay, this is, it's, go, it's, go, it's going away that I don't, I'm not happy with. So how do you remind yourself and the things that you need to do to keep yourself happy? Like for, for me, it's more along the lines of, is, are my grades, do my grades start to slip? Do I just overall feel less happy? Am I like not sleeping enough? Am I just feeling more anxious? Like, like we talked about uh, identifying your, like your triggers and stuff like that. So that was, that's a hard, that's a very hard thing to do telling yourself like, I want to identify these triggers. I want to figure out, I, I want to make a list of things I will do if I'm not feeling myself. So like, how did, how did you remind yourself? How did you go about finding those triggers? I'm very curious. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like it took me forever because, you know, my whole life, I think I've always struggled with this, this depression, but when there were extra stressors in my life, it triggered it more and I really had to identify those triggers. And, and thankfully, I was lucky enough to be in counseling and to have a counselor actually help me identify those things. You know, it's like, I have to be very careful with drinking because of my brain health. Like if I drink a lot the next day or the next week, I could be really depressed. So I have to be very careful about it. Um, I also have to make sure that I'm surrounding myself with healthy people for me. You know, it's, I think it's hard because like you said, cutting out toxic people it's difficult sometimes when you love the people who are toxic and you don't know how to cut them out because you're like, you know, oh, you're my friend or, you know, oh, I I just really enjoy this person, but they're probably not the best influence for you. And one of my friends who actually is in med school right now, he once told me, and I, I will never forget this. He said, you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with the most. And, you know, and so I I think about that all the time. I want to make sure I'm surrounding myself with people who care about my mental health too and check in on me and make sure that, you know, what if, if we go out and, you know, I don't want to drink that they respect that and they're not going to push me towards those things. So exactly what you, what you said, I, I think finding that balance and just identifying when you feel anxious and when you feel more depressed than normal and just, you know, making a mental note of that, you know, the situation that you're in, the people that you're with, and understanding, you know, could this be a trigger for me or this topic of conversation? You know, I, I just think triggers, triggers, triggers are so important because um, it's changed my life to be able to identify them and work through them. Right. So, yeah. That perfectly said. And I was raised uh, Muslim and I'm like from my parents are from Pakistan and my whole family is. And you were, t- we were talking about toxic people. And then you, were, you said if that toxic person is someone you love, and you're, there's a lot of dissonance here. So I have, I have members of my family who I considered toxic at times. I'm not going to say names, but what I learned was like, I don't want to cut them out of my life completely. Uh, but I learned to develop boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. And that, is, that was very difficult because you go to someone you love and it's like, listen, I, this, is, this is the extent of my relationship with you. You know, I can't talk about certain things with you. And at first you're just like, is this selfish of me? But I think you do need to be selfish at times for your, for your own well-being. And it's, it's not being selfish. It's just taking care of yourself. And yeah, so anyone listening, if you have a, someone who's toxic and they happen to be your family member or a longtime friend, develop those boundaries, have those conversations. They're tough, but I'll, you will be so glad after you have those conversations. 
Yes. You nailed that. Boundaries are so important. I had to talk about this with my counselor for so many months about boundaries and with family, friends, and, and exactly what you said. Self-care is not selfish. And I feel like we do live in a society that tells us, you know, we constantly have to be producing or making things or being productive. And if you feel like you're someone that constantly has that pressure of being productive, just know that it's okay to step back and do nothing. Like it's okay to just literally sit down and watch Netflix and unwind because your brain needs rest. Exactly like you said, Camille, like you just have to set boundaries even with yourself. And I think that's almost the hardest part. Yeah, it really is though, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, with you being in med school, like how do you set boundaries even with, you know, your studies and under, cause I'm sure you're probably like stressed all the time. How do you set boundaries to make time for yourself and your self-care? Yeah, there's definitely some inherent uh, kind of internal struggles with medical students. If you told a medical student to like relax, they won't, they won't like that too well because every moment that you're not studying is a moment like wasted yeah. for many of my classmates. What I figured out is I figured out when's the most efficient time of studying. If I'm worried about something, I'm anxious, I'm not feeling myself, there's no point in studying. Even if I have an, a huge exam that week, I, if I'm not going to take the time out to just bounce back and recuperate, my studying is going to be inefficient. And then I'm going to do worse on my exam. And then I'm going to say, you know what, I got to punish myself more and study more, cut out all the things that make me happy. And then you just start to get into this negative old cycle, which is what I kind of struggled, struggled with in an undergrad. So really it's like being able to take the time to whenever you need it to like go do stuff i always schedule things that are important to me like i work out every day i even if i'm in like i'm in like doing some studying and i'm like getting some good studying done i was like oh let me get a couple more done i'd rather just stop right there and go do it and take some time to go make food for myself or you know go for go for a walk call someone i love those things are never going to be a waste of my time those things will never take away from the the task at hand because those are the things that motivate me they rejuvenate me and then i go back to studying and i'm, I'm like i feel like 110 percent. so yeah that was but that was that was so hard i mean an undergrad i don't know that was a thing you know what i mean it was just like stay up all night and you know study until you can't study no more but you don't retain anything because you're just stressed you're, you're not sleeping you're not eating whatever it is but it definitely took a lot a lot of youtube videos too <laughs> and just like self-discipline that is incredible self-discipline is so important in your self-care journey like i I feel I'm one of those person or one of those persons. I don't even know what I'm saying. One of those people that I literally like, I will make a plan to be like, all right, you know what? Meditation in the morning, meditation at night, every day, let's do this. And then I get to day three and I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. And it, you know, it's like, it's so easy to be disciplined in everything else. But when it comes to ourselves, it's, it's like, we, we give up on that. And so, you know, if you're someone who's listening and you have a really hard time sticking to a self-care routine, just know that that's okay, but just, just continue to like get through that. Just keep investing in yourself and your mental health because, you know, even like Camille, I mean, you're sitting here and, and you're saying, look at the difference that it's made for you. I know the difference that it's made for me. Invest in yourself and your mental health. You're not selfish for doing that. It's just, it's only going to help you. Yeah, so, 100%. and then enjoying those moments where you're not working hard, like, if you are watching Netflix, right, don't feel guilty about it. And it's just like, if you're going to do it, awesome, but you don't really clear your mind because that's, that's like, it's just, it's just proven. This is like 
that you will just do better in other things in your life. So yeah. if, you're, if I'm hanging out with my friends and family, like I want to enjoy it. <laughs> I don't want to be thinking about school. And I know it's a lot, it's much easier said than done, but it's a process. You're right. It, it is a lot easier said than done. Um, and I can't tell you the amount of times I've, I've spoken to, you know, middle schoolers, high school students, or even college students where I'm like, you know, self-care is so important. Make sure you exercise and you drink water. And then I'm like, you know, I'm just telling you guys these things. It doesn't mean that I do them all the time. I'm actually really bad at my own self-care, but you know, it, it, you're right. It is easier said than done, but we're just all trying to survive, especially right now with everything going on in the world. Sometimes I don't know if you feel this, but it just can seem so hopeless and helpless. And I think right now, during the holidays, a lot of people are feeling that, you know, dread that, you know, this might not ever end. I guess, do you have any advice for anyone who's maybe feeling kind of hopeless or just very depressed right now and, you know, just kind of need something to get them through? Yeah, that's a very, and that's, that's a question I ask myself mm. every day. I go through school and there's always these crazy expectations of me. And then I'm on the news and I see the the polarization um, through politics and how, you know, the vaccine's coming out, the virus, and I can't believe healthcare is becoming so strongly politicized, but that's a different topic entirely. But I just see a lot of just differences between people. People are not getting along and fighting through social media, and it's just creating and like a huge kind of split between the population and all our beliefs, and that's kind of demoralizing. Like, I want to, I wanna, I'm trying to get into this field and like try to make things better, and it sucks that it's like, it's just, it looks like it's going downhill. I have so many goals and so many things I want to change, but it's so hard when people don't want to change themselves or like we can't even agree on a truth. But everything I just talked about, right? Those are things that are kind of out of my control. Rather than fixate on everything I just talked about, I saw in the news, I saw on my phone, I focus on what I can control. What I can control is my attitude, how I perceive the world, how I take care of myself. At, at the very least. And then I'll worry about those things that are out of my control. If I'm about to take an exam next week, it's going to be the hardest exam of my life. Let's say everyone's like, I'm going to fail. It doesn't matter how much you study. I can't control what's going to be on the exam. I can't control the kind of questions. I can control how much I eat. I sleep the night before. I can control how much stress I want to put on myself, how much I do want to study. And then when the exam comes, I do my best. Mm -hmm. Then it seems very cliche. It seems very like a simple piece of advice, but the first thing I, I really learned in medical school is control what you can. And those things out of your control, don't worry about them. Oh, yes. That is such a good analogy and message right now because you're right. So much is out of our control. And I'm reading this book right now. It's, it's all about letting go and codependency and just exactly what you said. You know, things that are out of your control, you just have to, to be free of that bondage. Don't, you know, I, I can't say don't worry about it because it's hard not to. But to just try really hard to, you know, just let go of that control. Because like you said, I mean, it's, um, you can't control everything that's going to happen in your life, but you can just survive, take things as they come, you know, mm -hmm. do the best you can with what you have. And I think as long as you're trying and that's the best that you can do, I mean, I don't care if you get up in the morning, you have to crawl out of bed to get to your computer, to do class or to do work or whatever it is. Um, just make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And as long as you're getting there and you're trying the best that you can, you're doing all right. You're doing just fine. So that's such a good message right now because I, I needed to hear that too. It's it's so easy to want to control everything and every everyone around you right now, but yeah. we're all in this together. We're, and like you said earlier, we're not alone. Exactly. And that really helps. Under, you know, at first, it's like there's a lot of 
norms in my own culture. Like mental health is not a real thing in my culture, which was a huge thing to kind of reconcile. Like, am I feeling this way? What, what, what are these things that I'm feeling? No one ever told me. And on top of that, you know, being a, like a, someone who identifies as male, I have other expectations that I have to get my life together and I have to be, exhibit these kind of tendencies. And like, I, I sat back and I said, you know, why am I trying to live a life that other people are painting for me? I, I'd rather be who I am. I'd rather like talk about what I'm actually feeling and in hopes of people, A, resonating with what I'm saying, B, it's kind of my own form of therapy. As I post stuff and I like, I talk about what I'm feeling. I'm like, yeah, I get this is, this is actually what I'm feeling. And I've never said it out loud. I've never put it on paper, but it feels so good to do that. And yeah, you, just, you can't be afraid to be who you are. We're most of us. And it's like a very social media specific kind of tip I, I've adopted for myself. We worry so much about people's opinions who we don't even know them, right? They're, they're not affecting our lives, but we crave their validation or whatever it is. We want to be so favorable. We want to like people please, whatever, you know, whatever it is, we have different extents, but we're trying to please people that are not really worth our time, which is pretty, pretty stark to say, but I got, I, I tell myself sometimes just to like get through social media. Sometimes I see negative comments, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't, they don't know me. Yeah. Oh man. I, I genuinely just had a conversation with a friend about this last night. Uh, I, yeah, one of my friends had some people just commenting some rude stuff, you know, uh, in her comments. And we just had this conversation about that exactly, how social media can just seem so scary at times because you put yourself out there and you don't know how people are going to react to that. And sometimes people, you know, just enjoy being behind the computer screen and, and trying to tear other people down. But like you said, it, you can't take it too, too personal because you know that most of the time, anyone who's trying to tear someone else down, it has more to do with them than it does you. And it's, it's so much easier said than done, but you know what? Sometimes it, it's a good chance for self-reflection in yourself and figuring out, you know, why is this comment bothering me so much? Is it more so about this person or is it really attacking a deep insecurity of myself or something that I've done or something that like I need to learn from? And I've had plenty of moments with, with with that that I've really had to sit with it and just really understand, you know, how do I move forward from this and why is this bothering me so much? So, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think social media is difficult because it, it can be a highlight reel and then it can also be a really dangerous place where you uh, feel very attacked. Yeah, exactly. And it's, this is the, like this topic is we barely talk about in medical school. Like we had a, we had a lecture on adolescence and what screen time is doing to kids. And like, we had a couple slides on it. I'm like, there's way more, there's way more data that needs to be like talked about. Cause they're saying like, oh, it's leading to poor health outcomes. Well, like, yeah, duh. But we, I, I would want to know what exactly is um, being detrimental to children's development. It's so easy to jump on these apps, right? And like, I, maybe some, maybe some very young kids listen to this podcast, you know, but it's like being introduced to social media and stuff like this so early on in your life. And then just being inundated with it. I mean, like we're stuck at home. We're probably checking our phones. We're working through our laptop and our iPads. So it's, it's right there. You know, like it connects you with the world, but it can also be just a very negative thing. So how do you, I mean, you're, you're, you're a popular on social media and you use it. How do you kind of, uh, you know, like, how do you kind of consume it? How do you like limit, limit it? Like, you no know, creating is one thing, but how do you limit like all the other negative aspects of it? Cause I'm very curious myself. So maybe I could get some advice from you. No, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I have to just really learn boundaries with social media. And I, I feel like I'm constantly working on that. 
because, you know, just the other day, I literally saw a tweet that was about me. Like someone had sent it to me and they were like, this tweet is about you. And I just was like, what? And it, it hurt, like it hurt really bad and it kind of triggered my anxiety, but I just kind of had to like shut down the app for a second and really just like take a step back and take a deep breath and be like, you know what? Like, you're okay. You're okay. It's all good. And I actually ended up just like blocking that person. And I'll probably unblock them at some point. Um, but I never used to block people until I learned that like blocking people isn't a mean thing. It just means, hey, you know what? I don't want you to see my stuff right now. I, I really don't want to see what you're putting out there. Um, and, you know, that's, that's self-care in itself. I think we get so hung up on like follow, follow for follow and all this stuff that we end up following people and seeing things that we don't want to see. And so for me, it was unfollowing people who were damaging my mental health without even knowing it, you know, like it's not intentional, but they're mm -hmm. posting pictures that I was just comparing myself. It's like, oh, this girl's a six pack, you know, like she has amazing abs. I don't. And that just is like making me feel very insecure. And so sometimes it has nothing to do with the person, but I just had to unfollow them for my own brain health. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how you feel about that because I know there's like some controversies around it, but for me, it's like, you know, I'm trying to use this tool to put out good. And if it's damaging me while I'm trying to do that in the process, like how much good am I actually doing? Yeah, no, it's that, that is a very, really like um, pertinent example. And the blocking thing, I agree with those, those course of actions. If so, if you, the point of your own social media is to see what you want to see. If you don't like what they want to see, unfollow. I want to see less, you should, like, you should not feel bad about it. And Sometimes these people who, who might, what, what's, the, what's the term? They might subtweet you or at, is that what it's called? They at you or something? Yeah. 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 I, gotta, I gotta get way better at Twitter. It's my one platform I haven't like um, really jumped off on. But, you, you know, it, this, they might say things that might, they're, like they're trying to say things to generate a reaction. And if they do generate a reaction, then they're winning. And we talked about those people are probably at a very low place. And if they don't want to seek help and, you know, they want to drag people down with them. And I, my sympathies for people who are feeling those those kind of feelings, right? Like if I would, I go out of my way to try to befriend my enemy and say, what's up? Like, can I help you? Even though they don't want to hear it from me, but you know, and kill, killing them with kindness is like the, like the, it's really hard to do. It's like being, being nice to someone who's being mean to you. But I would like to remind you too, is especially on social media, when you're, when you're doing stuff on social media, you're going to find people who might want to bring you down or criticize your actions or might say like, you know, you really should do it like this. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't like what I'm doing, there's a button right here. It's called the unfollow button. And then you go about your day. But if yeah. they don't want to do that, they'd rather take more energy into subtweeting you, commenting or sharing it and just like talking amongst themselves to make them feel better. I think you're winning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because, you know, I, and I'm sure you've had this too with just how many followers you have. Like it's almost inevitable, but you know, where people will comment stuff or whatever. And like you said, befriend the enemy. I've done that a lot where like I've messaged people and then it just completely like retaliates or someone, you know, just doesn't want to hear it or they just send hurtful stuff back. So, yeah. you know, it's, man, it's hard because you, you want to be a, a kind, loving person and reach out and be like, you know, what's going on here? Like, why did I do something to hurt you? What's going on? And sometimes it's, it's literally just as simple as they just need to take it out on you for no reason. They might not even know you. And exactly. Yeah, so it's so important to be self-aware in that as well. Yeah, it's you know what you what you just did, and you met, reached out to him. It's not easy. It takes it honestly takes a very strong person to do so. Maybe mm -hmm. they're not ready to talk about it. Maybe they're not ready to heal. And everyone has their own kind of process. And like, I wanted to talk about this um, in high school. 
I was I was kind of bullied uh, because of my ethnicity. I went to a school. Uh, it's my my first two years of high school. I went to a school where because I was like the only um, brown individual. My last name was Hussein. My nickname in high school was actually the terrorist. Now back then I was just like, okay, yeah, you know, I was the center of attention for the wrong reasons, and I kind of was like, all right, I'll go with the jokes. Um, and then there was, there, was, there was some people that like I still remember to this day, right? Um, their names and their faces because they might have hurt me emotionally, physically, whatever it was. And I, I ended up moving from that school because of like my own personal family circumstances. And now I've, I started influencing and some crazy things that happened this past year was one of these high school bullies actually reached out to me on Instagram, said, I don't know if you remember me, bro, but I just see what you're doing. And it's, man, I'm so proud of everything that you're doing and what, what you're putting out there. And part of me was like, wanted to respond and be like, man, I don't want to hear this. You were the, like, the worst person to me ever in high school. But just seeing that he went out of his way to comment and leave something positive means that like he probably was in a different spot too. And that was just like such an eye-opening experience to have one of your own like high school bullies reach out to you afterwards and congratulate you on what you're doing. Wow. Wow. And you know what? I'm really sorry that that happened to you because you people could just be so mean and I think especially as kids growing up it's in high school you know it's it it changes a part of you so I'm sorry you went through that you know I've been through bullying myself and it's it's just not fun but the fact that you are so strong today and you can look at those bullies and just recognize that you know it was never really about you that's that's pretty amazing so you should feel really, really good about that. Thank you. And it's, you never know what um, these people are going through and you, mm-hmm. good things come to good people. And I, I feel like it's, it, it kind of worked out there and we, I mean, we, we caught up and everything and it was never like, you know, we were also kids. I feel like as kids, we, we bully each other because we really don't know what our feelings are. You know, like if we have something going on at home, we might project on other people. So it's that like, but it can still stick with us. Like we, like we were talking about, even if it happened so early on in our childhood, but you know, how, the hardest part was kind of like think, reflecting on it and, and figuring out what it actually means and how it might shape your behavior today and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the things that I really admire about you is I feel like you're just trying to put out as much love and positivity into the world because, you know, everything just, it does seem so dark right now, but you know, I had a similar experience where I, I did a podcast this summer with one of my mental health heroes, Kevin Hines. He jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge in 2001 and survived. And now he speaks to literally the whole world about suicide prevention. He's pretty phenomenal. But um, I was on his podcast and I talked about my experience being bullied and how that really led me to some of my depression and anxiety and self-harm. And I had a high school bully actually reach out to me who listened to the podcast and said, you know, if I contributed to that, I'm so sorry. They're like, I had no idea what my actions could do to someone in that kind of state. And he's like, I, I needed to hear that. Like, I needed to know that my words could really impact someone in that way. And so I always encourage people to share their story when they're ready. But, you know, you just never know how sharing the things that you've been through can impact not only just the people who are struggling and need to hear it, but sometimes the people who might contribute to some of that pain to be able to, to recognize that like, hey, you know, my words and my actions have consequences and I can really hurt someone. And, and so I love people like you who are just out here building people up, spreading joy and positivity, because like I said, we need more of that. So 
yeah. it's um it's pretty amazing especially being in med school i mean i know so many med students who do struggle mentally so the fact that you're using your experience to actually impact even just other students is incredible yeah no and thank you for those very kind very kind words and it's it's amazing that your own like your own bully reached out and and said that mm-hmm. and like like you said sharing sharing your story when you're ready it really helps helps you just kind of figure out what you went through like I think the biggest thing for me was um, obviously trying to get into medical school but also during before college in high school I like I lost my mom um, when I was 14 years old and for a while I was like just just done I was 14 years old so I didn't understand the gravity of her being gone and all that stuff it's really easy to repress things when you're younger Um, and then Kind of fast, kind of fast forward uh, later, when I um when I started college, I started to like kind of deal with all those feelings and and stuff like that. And like, it's really hard to like kind of repress things for so long and never really just put it out in the open. And when I mean put it on the open, it could mean it could mean different things for people. Like just talking about with your family. It took me so long to be comfortable to talk about my friends and my my own dad or my my cousins. But it helped so much. It was so tough to like talk about. Like even to this point, it, it gets it's tough to talk about. I mean, every time I do it, and I talk about this very traumatizing experience, it helps. And like then I got to a point where I was able to use any of my trauma, any of these things I went through, and put it on a large scale as social media. And like the old me would be like, no way I would be able to do that. But now I look at myself. It's like I'm not I'm not afraid to talk about these things I went through. And in fact, when I talk about like losing my mom at an early age, while and like she's a huge reason why I want to pursue medicine. You won't believe the amount of DMs I got. People saying, I lost my sister, I lost my mom, I lost my dad. And those are the reasons why I wanna become a physician. And then just like seeing those stories and people empathizing with me. And it's just, it just shows that I'm not alone in, in that regard, just struggling in general. And just having people who went through similar things, it's such a powerful moment. It's such a, cause you just feel so alone when something like that happens. So like you said, when you're ready to share, you won't believe how many people are there to like just greet you and you know just relate with you so man yes oh my gosh you got me kind of teary-eyed there for a second because that is so freaking brave to to I think in any sense to share your story with anyone but especially on a large platform because it took me so long like what even when the gray matters started I never spoke about my personal experiences because a lot of my family, my friends didn't even know that I was struggling with a lot of that stuff or had struggled with it. And, you know, it, it's always about when you're ready. And like you said, Camille, it's a freeing experience when you do that. And so, you know, to anyone listening to this, if, if you feel like you're ready, you know, don't be afraid to use your voice, even if it shakes or you feel like you're just, you don't even, you're not even making sense. That's okay. Just, just say what you can to get what you need to get out. Because like Camille said, so well, people will reach out and they'll tell you how much your story has impacted them. And I think personally, that is one of the best moments in the world is when people reach out to you and they say, you know what, I feel better because you exist. And I feel better because you have shared a piece of yourself with me. Like that is, there's nothing better than that. (laughs) That is so amazing. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And, uh, you generated a question and now I'm just spacing. On what that question was. I do this every day. <laughs> I'll have an idea and then I'm like, oh crap, where'd it go? <laughs> I think it I think it was on the topic of 
Yeah, if I remember it, if I remember. You remember, that's all right. That's okay. No, I, it, it's just so, it is amazing because I had um, someone, our, so a friend that I was talking to actually, that I haven't talked to in a while, um, I was chatting with the other day and this person that I've known for like almost my whole life just looked at me and said, I need to get something off my chest. And we had this really deep conversation and I got to know a piece of this person that like I've never gotten to know before. And it was so beautiful. Cause I'm like, I've known you almost my whole life. And I never even knew that you were struggling with these things or that you were dealing with this. And so that's even important. I think to, to check in on the people around you, but don't be frustrated when they aren't ready to share. Because I think so many times we hear like check in on your friends and your family, but sometimes they're not ready. Like sometimes it's just, it takes patience and, it's hard and you're trying to survive the suck and maybe you're there, maybe you're not. And so just tell it when you're ready. No yeah. one's going to force you to just do it when you can. Exactly. And that was along those lines. I figured out my question. Like when you, Yay. how do you kind of reconcile, you know, like and it's interesting you said when you started the great about matters movement at Augustana college revolutionary movement, just seeing all my classmates with the quotes and the, you know, the black and white pictures talking about experiences, never knew that. Okay. And you can't help but think when you're about to share something, you know, this important about your life, how do you kind of get over these fears or these anxiety that, will people look at me different? Mm. Will I still, will I still be accepted? Like in the, in, in the medical community, for example, there's a stigma. It's like, you know, you got to be very like perfect. And if you're dealing with something like mental health and you can't, you can't get under control, like, are you capable to be a physician? People kind of think along those lines, which is terrible. It's like, how can you take care of your patients if, you're, if you don't even preach taking care of yourself? So how do we kind of figure it out in our minds when we're ready to tell the story? Like, how do we kind of get past this judgment from people who hear it? Oh, gosh. You know, that is, I, I, it's crazy that that's always our fear because we have, at least you and I, I feel like have grown up in a society that is so reliant on other people's opinions and viewpoints. And it's, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. But man, I, when I, I remember I broke down after I did my podcast with Kevin Hines and it was the first time I'd ever shared anything that I had gone through publicly. And I, I just broke down. I remember I was sitting right here and I just broke down and I had to go upstairs and have a conversation with my parents about things that I had gone through and that it was going to be public and they needed to be aware of that. And that moment, I remember I just felt so free because I felt like, oh man, I've been holding on to this for so long and now it's out there and I don't have to hold on to it anymore. It was, it was just a sense of release. And so I think for anyone who's struggling with the fear of, you know, other people might view me differently or, you know, even in professionalism, it's like, I might not get that promotion because I'm speaking about this or people are just going to think that I'm crazy because there is this stigma with mental health, right? Mm -hmm. But for me, I always just come back to, don't tell your story for other people. Tell it for you. Like you deserve to stand up and to say, I've been through this and I'm still here. Like you've survived 100% of everything you've ever been through. And that is something to celebrate every damn day. Like you are here, you are alive, you're living. And even if it just feels like you're surviving, you should still be celebrating that. So I guess that's my advice because that's what helps me is to know that like, you know what, people are going to be impacted by my story. Yes. And I, I hope that every single day, but at the same time, 
I have to share this for me because this is the one way I can let go. That is so important, putting yourself on like as the highest priority. Mm-hmm. And I think everything we're talking about, professionalism, getting the job, it starts with our generation and more so the upcoming generation is this, this culture change. I think we're seeing how powerful social media could be or just you know, your, anyone's voice can be when it comes to policy, when it comes to the culture, it comes to the stigma. Like if we all, are, we all come out and say that, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this, oh, I'm also struggling with this, and then we find some common ground there, there's not gonna be a stigma anymore. Because if we're all, we're all open about what we went through, we're not like sugarcoating it and we're not like hiding it, it's gonna change the way we think. It's gonna change the way, honestly, it's changing the way we see patients. You know, like when it comes to domestic violence, when it comes to assault, when it comes to uh, mental health, they're training us so extensively now on how to figure out these signs because it's not a stigma anymore, all right? Back then, if someone struggled with depression and stuff, they, they induce electrical shocks because they're like, they're not well because we had no idea what the heck people were dealing with. We had no data. Now, the more people that come forward and tell their stories, we have more data. We find ways to like effectively treat these, these people. And it's, it's amazing that like now they're, tra- they're treating us so well in medical school and it could always be better, of course, but we're hearing, we're having patient panels from people who went through their own struggles in mental health and in the context of seeing a physician. And it just makes me think like, I always want to connect with my patient. I want to build trust. I want to actually look my patient in the eye and say, are you okay? Mm. And hopefully they, they're not afraid to share it with me so I can actually help them whatever capacity I can. Oh, man, that literally like brings tears to my eyes because that is exactly what we need in the world is to be able to look people in the eye and say, are you okay? I mean, it, I, I think of Kevin Hines, who I've, I, literally my mental health hero. You're going to hear a lot about him. Um, he's actually going to be on the podcast at some point, which I'm very excited about. But, you know, he talks about on his way to the Golden Gate Bridge, he was in a bus full of people, hysterically crying, having a literal mental breakdown, was on the way to end his life. And he said people stared at him at the, on that bus, whispered about him, people made looks at him, but no one said a word. And he said, if one person, if one person just would have asked, are you okay? I would have said no. And so exactly like you said, Kamal, that is literally the way that we change the world is, is just looking people in the eye and asking, are you okay? That is the most important question in my eyes. So thank you for doing that because I think someday I hope you ask that question. I hope someone just tells you and I, I know that you're going to be able to help them. That's, that's incredible. Wow. Yeah, you, you gave me chills there too. Wow. <laughs> but no, I'll, I'll try. And just like I, I see people like you who continually advocate for this. And let's, let's just take a second to say that this is not an easy topic to advocate for because there's a lot of personal stake into it. Mm-hmm. We talked about triggers and like everything we're talking about here, we're trying to hear people's stories. It's, it's hard for our own sake to kind of go through this. So I, I, I see you, Haley, and I, I know everyone else does. And it's inspiring. And who, whoever wants to hate, whoever wants to say their own kind of uh, negative kind of criticisms of it, we, we talked about it in your first podcast. As long as one person hears this and benefits from it, I'm doing my job. Even if that person's you. <laughs> yes. It, yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. I love, I love that. Um, you know, and I, I appreciate you so much. I want you to know that I see you and I hear you. Um, I'm always here for you. Anyone who's listening to this, please know you can always reach out. I, I got your back. Um, I always say I got your six. I got your back. Kamal, what's something that you've learned about in med school that you want to share with people? Yeah, so I think a huge memory I have is when I first started medical school and it was orientation. 
And the professor up front, uh, she, she, she said, here's a big piece of advice you should take for you throughout the entirety of med school and, real, and in real life, is that be yourself unapologetically. And it took me a second to kind of register that. And I, was, and I wondered what that meant. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm myself every day. But it, that means like, you know, don't be sorry for being who you are. If you, if you stutter or if you um, don't like the way you look or whatever, like, it doesn't matter. You don't have to apologize for being yourself. And the more I do that, the more I preach that, the easier it is to just be myself. And then the more people actually vibe with that. So it's, it's an amazing piece of advice that I hope to just take with me all the way to residency and when I become a full-fledged doctor. That's amazing. Yes, love it. Emails, we're wrapping this up. Is there anything that you want to tell the audience to anyone who's maybe listening to this and it's just in the suck? What would you tell them? I, w- I want to say that all the pain might go away overnight, but it's not, it's not as simple as that. Really, you got to focus on what makes you happy. You got to figure out what helps you get through the suck and capitalize on that. Amplify those things that make you happy and bring joy to your life. Surround yourself with great people. Ex- exercise if you're physically able. Sleep if you're able to. Never, be a f- never be- feel bad for taking care of yourself. Make yourself our priority. And even if it is, w- and wake up in the morning, look yourself in the mirror and say, today is going to be a great day. And if it isn't a great day, don't beat yourself up about it because there's plenty more days to come. And yeah, just cherish every moment you have and uh, yeah, pursue what makes you happy. Love that. Thank you so much for being on today. I I appreciate it more than, you know, like I said, I've admired you for so many years. You're just such a positive person. And, you know, everyone go follow Kamel. He's doing some great stuff. And if you need anything, you know that he's there. I'm there. Um, but you know what, if you're struggling after listening to this podcast, please know that you can always, always call the suicide hotline. It is for anyone who, even if you're not feeling suicidal, if you just need someone to talk to, they are trained professionals. They're there 24 seven. It's free. It's confidential. And they can get you connected to resources if, if you need it for you or for someone else. So don't be afraid to call 1-800-273-8255. Um, and you can also text 741741. So, you know, we talked a lot about triggers. So I want to make sure to be able to mention that just in case you're, you're just feeling kind of sucky right now. It's okay to feel sucky. I feel it every day. And like Camille said, we get through it one day at a time and just look yourself in the mirror and say, it's going to be a great day. If it's not, then don't beat yourself up. So you got this. We're rooting for you. Thanks so much, Camille, for being here. We're going to survive the suck. We're here with you. You're not alone. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great rest of your day.